You're listening to the Forging Theory Podcast, a show dedicated to bettering lives through fitness, nutrition, and inspiring stories from athletes of every stripe. This episode is brought to you by Modern Day Midwife, encouraging active pregnancies, supporting empowered birth, and growing strong, healthy families. For more information or to set up an appointment, contact Tracy Burns by visiting moderndaymidwife.com. What's going on, sweet people? This is Coach Riley, and on another episode of the Forging Theory podcast, alongside my best friend, Michael Gray, we have Michael Picard. So I'm with two Michaels today. Michael and Michael, can't screw up your names. You're surrounded now, man. Yes. What's going on, Michael? Not much. How are you? Good, good. We understand that this is your first time on a podcast. That's correct. But you informed us previously that you've done a lot of public speaking. Tell us about that. Oh, I did. I worked for a company one time where I went across the nation talking about prepaid health plans. Oh, wow. So you're pretty comfortable on a mic. Pretty comfortable. Nice. What should we know about prepaid health plans? Yeah, exactly. By, by the way. <laughs> They're expensive. They're, yeah. not as, <laughs> They're not as cheap as they used to be. But no. this is when prepaid health plans were just very uh, much on the horizon. They weren't very much talked about. What years were you doing that? Oh, gosh. That was in the uh, mid-90s. Oh, okay. So, okay. 92? Yeah. Okay, I was yeah. being born then. <laughs> you might have been born on a prepaid health plan. <laughs> exactly. No, yeah, no. I was born yeah, on a military health plan. So oh, nice. <laughs> I don't know if that's any different. But, all right, Mike, so there's one thing that I want everyone to know on the show is that you are the most senior member of CrossFit Fury. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes, and you just turned? I turned 80 in June. 80 years old. That is so awesome to me. And you celebrated, didn't you, in the gym? In the gym. I didn't celebrate with you, and I'm actually <laughs> kind of glad. Not that I'm, I'm, I wish that I, you know, that you weren't born or anything, but because I saw the workout. Why don't you talk about what that workout is and what, your who, who did it with well, you? Actually, I wrote the workout. Oh, wow. Oh, you did? Yeah, I designed it. So you nice. no one to blame but yourself. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, it was partners. It okay. Was, it was 80, uh, 80 reps on everything, and there was eight different uh, modules that we did okay but, so you uh, do the math on that <laughs> that's well, a lot. everybody had to do 40 okay. yeah so. and what kind of what kind of things did you put in there what movements did you have oh my gosh you name it uh there were squats there was box steps uh, uh kettlebell swings uh step ups uh, awesome. uh growing everything uh, and we finished with 40 uh 80 calories on the bike. Oh, my gosh. Oh, so man. that was you the are a masochist, my friend. <laughs> and it killed everybody. I just nice. did a workout today where with a partner we split 60, and that was hard enough. So yes. we each did 40. Now Mike, you did, you oh, did you this with, your, with the master's class at Fury, is that That's correct? That's correct. Okay. Now, um, give some shout-outs to the people in that master's class. Who do you have in there that did that workout with you? Uh, well, there was Michelle, uh, who's been there for quite a while. Uh, uh, Nancy, I don't know their last names. Mm. Uh, Nancy, uh, Mary. Uh, Michelle, like I said, uh, Kelly. Oh, Kelly did. She did it too. Yeah, she was there. There was, I think, only about six of us there. Yeah. Great, nice. It's so, a small class. Tell us a little bit about your relationship with Coach Kelly. Like, how? how are, what are your feelings towards her? Well, I think she's a great coach. <laughs> yeah, uh, she is an awesome individual. Yeah, I think she is very good, and she she tailors. She basically we do the uh, the basic workout, mm. but she modifies it, but mm. not as much as she used to modify. It. <laughs> so she's getting well, tougher with her. Well, the the guys are getting the guys and gals are getting pretty good. Oh yeah. So we're able to handle basically the basic workout. She may drop the reps a little bit mm. or. So every morning, I usually get to the gym around 6.45, 7 a.m. to do like my morning of like cardio or workout or do something. And I always watch the master's class. Like 
I'm always watching them. I always got my eye on them. And dude, they get after it. Like they, do. they yeah. really do. And it's like, I just like get this wave of energy from them every morning. I'm like, all right, let's do this. It's so awesome to watch them. Like they, they are dedicated to making their lives better. I mean, that, that's about as inspirational as you get. Yeah. And they're consistent too. that same group. That oh, same dude. core group comes just about every day. Every day. And you never hear a complaint about them. No, they, they never complain. It. So, Mike, let's talk about what is your motivation to exercise? Like, what keeps you coming back to CrossFit Fury? Well, basically to stay in shape. Uh, mm-hmm. I do a lot of uh, things during the uh, summertime uh, and the fall. I'm a uh, track and field official, mm-hmm. and this keeps me uh, mobile. Yeah. Because the track and field uh, is a pretty much an 8- to 12-hour endeavor when you're at a track meet. And keeps my balance, uh, keeps me going. Yeah. So you say maybe your motivation is just to be mobile, like to be able to move around and take care of yourself as much as possible. That's correct. Yeah. So I love to see a shift. Like, well, you see that shift from most people, like they kind of train to perform or train to blah, 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 whatever. And then they get to a point where like, whoa, I just want to train to live. Like, I just want to train to keep up with my grandkids or like just do do life and i just think that's awesome yeah well, there is competitiveness in that oh, group. i can I mean. see it i see it all the time dude those guys are getting after it so how many years have you been here at crossfit fury uh i joined in october of 2013 2013 okay right. and what what was your fitness like before that point like i was in pretty good shape okay but you not already- as good a shape as i am now for sure okay so uh, you're in better shape now yeah Wow. Yeah, I had two injuries uh, not related to CrossFit. I had a shoulder separation that uh, happened before I started CrossFit, and then I had a knee replacement surgery. And CrossFit actually helped me through those, recovery. Wow. Um, it really did. I, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now without without CrossFit. Yeah, that's awesome. You hear a lot about that, people getting injured, and, and a lot of times doctors will say, well, CrossFit's the last thing you need to do if you're injured. But I've heard a lot of people who have been injured, and some pretty severely, that come into CrossFit and that that's a good way to manage the injury they had and to get more strength and to come back stronger than, than when they, they got the injury. It was surprising when I was going through PT, uh, the, uh, the modules that we did were very similar to what we do in CrossFit, the modalities. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of PT, we do need to point out that we are in some <laughs> sweet new digs here right now. Yes. You want to talk about that, Riley? Yes, we are in the AZOPT Goodyear location. Our friends here uh, Ryan Roberts, Terry Roberts, were, were happy enough to lend us their home for the day. We have air conditioning here, and I'm not sweating profusely, so it's great. Yeah, we love Fury, but this time of, of year to try to record in the middle of the afternoon is just rough there. So they, they've lent us their place. It's nice. It's got AC. It's got lighting. Mm-hmm. It's got everything you'd, you'd want. So. Yeah, I can't remember seeing uh, Riley when he wasn't sweating. Oh, yeah. That's true. So this, was, is, this is rare. <laughs> well, I was just sweating before this, so that's good. That's a good look for me. Yeah, so thank you to AZOPT for opening up your place. We really appreciate it. It's, uh, it's great. All right, Mike. So tell us about your first workout at CrossFit Fury. Do you remember that? Oh, gosh, I can't remember. That's too long ago. I know I was in great pain the next day. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. It took me a while to get back into that kind of shape, uh, you know, physically. Did they that. always, when you when you joined CrossFit Fury, did they always have the master's class as an option? Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. And my wife joined before I did. Oh, really? Mary was in there. And uh, her daughter, Jen. Mm-hmm. Which Jennifer I know still well. there. Yeah, yeah, she's a great athlete. One yeah. of my favorites. Yeah. And uh, they both got me to join. So you know, were, it, you, it you were, hard, were you hesitant at first? Absolutely. Like, yeah, of course. Everyone Absolutely. is. Oh, I don't want to do this. Yeah. I, I told my wife, I said, I can't do this. <laughs> I can't. I'm not going to do this. Yeah. How has it's your fitness, too brutal. How has your fitness journey affected your family? Like, I'm sure your kids are probably pretty impressed and proud of you for, for yeah, that. Uh, yeah, and my, my grandkids more than, more than anybody. Mm-hmm. Nice. I've got a couple of nieces that uh, are proud of their, proud of their Uncle Skippy. Of I course. love that. 
what would you say to someone who is new coming in, who's like at the master's level? What do you, and they're like, ah, I, don't, I don't really want to do this. I'm not sure this is what I, what I need to do. How do you, what would you say to someone I like say, that? I say the same thing to everyone that comes in, you know, the first time there, keep coming back. Don't let the pain discourage you. Don't let what other people do discourage you. Keep coming back. Yeah. I love that. I don't remember like when, when I was a kid, like with my grandparents, like I don't remember fitness being something that was a priority, like, or even like keeping themselves healthy was like something that they kept in like the front of their mind. So like the fact that like your grandkids are seeing you and like in that light of you taking care of yourself, I think that starts like a cycle of, of making your health a priority. Yeah. So yeah. like the way that you're doing that, you're like causing a ripple effect in the next three or four generations. Yeah, and that's true. They are, they do work out. Yeah. Your they, call, they call me their inspiration. Yes. Your grandpa, your grandkids are going to see that and they're going to have that instilled in them. And then your great, great, great grandkids are going to have a, like a solid health, like yeah. have health as a, as a big part of their life. I think that's cool. Yeah. I think our, our parents, uh, at least my parents were, they were too busy earning a living. You know, mm -hmm. We were, we were a poor family. We didn't, we didn't have a lot of money. Dad was working two, three jobs sometimes just to yeah. keep it going. I have uh, three brother, two, two bro three brothers and one sister. And it was rough times back in Pennsylvania then. So, and, and that they didn't think about working out. Yeah. Well, well I feel like the culture has shifted since then. It has for quite sure. A bit. Yeah. What would you tell your, like, if you could talk to four generations down the road of like great, 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 great grandkids, what would you tell them about making their health a priority? You think, like, think you think it'll still be important or you think we'll have like robot arms and robot legs? Boy, it's hard to say. Uh, robotics is, uh, is really taking, taking over a lot of, uh, manual jobs. Uh, I think they better stay in shape. Yeah. They better. I feel like, uh, like metabolic disease and like things that self-inflicted disease is only rising. So, if like I don't, it's a it's a huge part of our society now. In a hundred years, it might even be more. True. Yeah. Mike, there's another story I want to bring to the light, and that is uh, the tattoo on your arm. Let's talk about that. He has Mike has a tattoo on his arm of the Fury logo. I don't know about you if you're dedicated to your gym, but that kind of sets the tone for what kind of member Mike is to Fury. The actual F bomb yes. logo, <laughs> not the real F bomb, but the other F bomb. The, the logo. It's awesome. <laughs> I'll tell you a story about that. Okay, I got this up in Alaska, and my daughter is a, very much involved with the Christian ministry up there in this church. And when I went up there, I brought uh, several shirts and hats from uh, from CrossFit Fury mm -hmm. that had the bomb on it. Okay, yeah. now I'm giving these to a Christian church. And it's got the F bomb. <laughs> when I went back to the house, my daughter said to me, "Do you realize what you did?" <laughs> and it didn't dawn on me at all. Not no, at no, all. No, well, no. you're doing a good thing, so I mean yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah. That was cool. But it's on your on your right arm, or your left arm. My left, left shoulder. Yeah, there it is. Oh, for the right people, get a picture on the of that. Shoulder. We're yes. gonna get a picture of that. So there's also a bad. Oh, I'm going to say a badass picture of Mike with, he's doing a kettlebell swing and it's like mid swing and his biceps are popping, his veins are popping and that, that F-bomb is just glowing in the light. It's yeah. the coolest tattoo ever. And he's got the face of a lion. Yeah, like, he's <laughs> ready, like he's getting after it. I was suffering. Yes, but that's the face of suffering. Yeah. And so you, you took the shirts up there. How, how'd the tattoo come about? Because you said you got that tattoo when you were up in Alaska, correct? Was that on the same trip? Well, my, yes. My, my son went up with me. 
And uh, I've got two grandchildren up there, and we were just sitting around the house one day, and we said, <laughs> well, let's all go get a tattoo. Idle so, hands do the devil's work. And my grandchildren led me astray. Nice. <laughs> so, well, did it hurt? So, no, not at all. No. I had, I had oh, yeah, tattoo. other tattoos yeah. as well. That goes back a long, long way. Well, tell us about your other tattoos. That was Ninth uh, and Ray Street, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in uh, 1959. Wow. That's amazing. I well, love how, like, we're, our culture is shifting where tattoos are a little bit more ac- acceptable, I think, and they always have a story, like, a tattoo in 1959 in Philadelphia, like that probably can take him instantly back to those times. Yeah. Like, what were you doing in Philadelphia? My first, time? my first leave from boot camp. Nice. <laughs> so you said, dude, I'm get, I'm out of boot camp. I'm getting a tattoo. Well, that's because when I left the house, my mother said, "Don't come back with a tattoo." <laughs> oh, of course, what a rebel, right? like a rebel, huh? I love it. So it's funny that he tells a tattoo story. When my dad, we like, I grew up in a, a military base in Hawaii. And the last night that my dad was with all of his boys from Hawaii, we were shipping out, he got a tattoo. So like, that's like, I guess like that's the thing to do with military people is like their final hurrah, they get a tattoo with their boys. Yeah. That's really cool. See, and I'm not a ta- I don't have any tattoos. You and can't I, put a bumper sticker on a Bentley, huh? That's, well, that's not the reason. My, <laughs> my problem is, is I would be afraid that I would regret it later down the road just because I, my tastes change. And I, I know that like... <laughs> Like favorite colors, like favorite designs, things like that change, and I'd just be afraid I'd get something that I wouldn't like. So if I ever did get one, and I'm not against it, if I ever did, it would have to be something that was deeply meaningful to me for a, a specific reason. So. Yeah. It always has a good, uh, when I look at a tattoo, especially of mine, it takes me back to that place in my life, and like I don't regret it. Like uh, It's made me who I am. It takes me to the part of my life that I am now. So like I might have changed, yeah, but it also reminds me of who I was in that moment. No regrets? No regrets ever. <laughs> So none of them you regret. You like all Not of even them. one. Uh, and maybe maybe that would be the case with me. Maybe one day I'd, I'd, I would never regret the things I got. You don't regret any of the tattoos? No, not at all. Not at all, yes. And you know, it's a strange one, too. A bird and a rose. That's about as cool you as know, it gets. That is about as simple as you can get. So yeah. me and Mike were talking maybe yesterday morning, and he was telling me about his travel. So you were in the military, correct? That's correct. What branch? Uh, Navy. Navy. So you did a good bit of traveling, right? Yes, I did. All the Far East. Tell me, tell us about that. So tell us about your kind of military journey, where you started, where you finished, your favorite places. Well, every, every station I was at, I, I loved. I didn't, mm. not like one station I was at. Uh, I was a medical corpsman. I was a OR tech. And uh, I was in Portsmouth, Virginia, where I went to OR school and uh, well, core school at OR school. And then I got uh, transferred to the Coral Sea out of Alameda, California. Mm, that's a beautiful and, place. Yeah, I picked up the ship in, uh, actually in Bremerton. I was part of the recommissioning crew. Uh, the ship at one time just had a straight deck on it. It didn't have the angle deck, and they converted it to an angle deck up at Bremerton. You're speaking Chinese to me, me okay. and Michael. Well, no, if you no, look, at, Chinese, it, if you look at an aircraft carrier, it's got a straight deck that goes off the front, and it got one that goes off to the off to the oh. uh, port side. Okay. Okay. So they put that port side port side deck on see so. i just a few weeks ago with harrison toured the uss midway and i did see how they used to have the the deck was straight and then they had to add a whole new new deck onto it to, to have the, that angle the midway is the coral sea it's it's the same ship there's three ships the midway okay the coral sea and the franklin delano roosevelt okay and they're called the three sisters so that ship huh. that i just toured was what you lived that on. was the coral sea oh Whoa. my goodness small world well <sighs> identical that the that people could live on that for that amount of time blew my mind. Well, I walked. He I, did. I know. <laughs> I, we can make a whole episode on on that. No, it's a it's a floating city. 
It is. How yeah. do you? So tell us about like your sleeping arrangements. How like how how did how was life on a, on a boat? So tight. Oh man. Yeah, we had a we had a decent quarters. There was uh, twenty five of us in our in our quarters, and uh, the racks were stacked three each. Three oh on top. my god! And we were the bad part about it is that right below us was a uh, was a heavy aviation fuel uh, storage <laughs> bin, and once in a while that thing would leak into oh, our wow. quarters. And if you ever smelled heavy aviation fuel, <laughs> it's like kerosene. It's pretty bad. Wow. We had the greatest food. We had the greatest water. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, all, our, all of our water was uh, reclaimed seawater. Okay. Okay. We had these uh, plants that uh, salinated the water, desalinated the water into drinking water and bath water. Right. So... We ran out of milk, actually, the first two two days at sea. We, from there on, we had reconstituted milk. But, no, we had a great great chef uh, on the ships. They were, they were just great food. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And at so sea, awesome. the uh, the mess decks are open 24 hours a day. So oh, that's never a bad anytime thing. anytime you want, any place you want. Yeah, and they have, they have lots of mess mess halls and stuff, too, like for different uh, different ranks of officers, that's things really. like that. And, uh yeah, I just like, now you said you were in the medical staff. I was a I was a corpsman. I was a I was an E five. Okay, and so what did you do medically? Like what? what? I was responsible for all of the battle stations and the operating room. Okay, so oh, I was. Wow. Yeah, if we we did a lot of uh, surgery aboard the ship. We had <laughs> well, we had three surgeons, and wow. uh, we had two flight surgeons with the air group, and our doctor, one of our doctors on the ship that was a station there uh, assigned to the ship was also a surgeon, so they didn't want to fly anything off. Mm. You know, so we did a lot of surgery. We had surgery at sea uh, almost every day. What kind of surgeries would you see the oh, most? Uh, appendectomies, <laughs> uh, plastic surgery. Uh, hey, come off the boat things, better than you did Some before. things we don't want to talk about. Oh, wow. But, but if we had emergencies, uh, broken arms, uh, you know, compound fractures. Any births? No, we didn't oh, have right. any. Uh, there no, no women. No, no women. Oh, this geez, is pre bad. pre female. Oh, sorry. Yeah, know. we didn't have any any uh, female gender. Sense, no. Like not, none at all. Not even. No, nothing. No, not okay. at that so, time. So, like when you got off the ship, was every woman just so beautiful? Like I was married. Oh, okay, we didn't know. No, zero. <laughs> so, no, no, none never. of them were beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> now you could even uh, you could even buy cigarettes on board. Like they had they had general stores. Oh, yes. They had. It, yeah, if you cool. ever get a chance to tour the U.S. Sounds really Midway, cool. it is a great tour. Now, I walked around with my head, like, dipped down three <laughs> inches because it's – I'm just a little too tall for that. But my understanding is the new ships they have have another foot of headroom, which <laughs> would make me feel less claustrophobic. That was one of our, our major – uh, trips to sick call was to suture up people's heads. I'll bet. Wow. And of course, they ran into the back of the airplane too. The back of the wing of an airplane is very, very sharp. Mm. Yeah. And they wouldn't be watching where they were going. But I did most of the suturing on the ship. The doctors didn't want to so do it. So next time I get banged up, I know who I'm going to call. I can do it. Yes. <laughs> nice. So I imagine through your time in the military, you saw a good bit of the world. Where was your, uh, tell us some highlights of what you saw or the best places you remember? Well, uh, the best place I remember is Japan. Beautiful. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. was your favorite part about Japan? Uh, Nikko Mountains. Uh, we went up there in the wintertime and skied. Wow. It's just, it was a very beautiful, pristine area. People were just uh, absolutely friendly and opened their hearts to us. Did we you like the food? I spent a week up there. Was the food good? Food was great. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. But we, they took all, when we got there, and there was about 25 of us, and they took all our clothes away. They took all our clothes, and they gave us kimonos. A whole, oh, wow. A whole outfit of winter clothes. And we had to wear that all the time we were in the hotel. That's really cool. When we left the hotel to go skiing, then we get our, our ski clothes back. <laughs> but when you come back in, it was like a mudroom, if you know what a mudroom is. Not and you all. changed in there, and then you put on your kimono, and, you know, and of course, a lot of us went down to the, uh, a lot of us went down to the baths first and got nice 
warm baths. Oh, the, that sounds nice too, in man. In spas, yes. Well, it's after getting good. off the ship, like, I guess you'd like and, clean <laughs> a normal bed. And and the girls do, they girls do take care of you down there. Yes, let's say, but we weren't looking. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it was fine. They were very decent, yeah. uh, you know, but they, they washed you down and you got in the hot spas and then went up to your Did room. they like Americans? Uh yes. Like was the was the attitude of the like the local people like were they like kind to you or like any type of very kind. Nice. Very That's kind. good to hear at least. We had a, we had a good group. Okay, right. so Japan. What, give me another place you've been. Uh, well, uh, Okinawa was great. Hong Kong. Mm. Loved Hong Kong. Really, Hong Kong was a beautiful city. You were telling me were you in the Philippines? You told I me I was in the Philippines. Tell us. Tell me about you were. You were talking about it yesterday. Tell me about uh, when you went and played golf. You told me you oh, played golf oh, in the oh, Philippines. Yeah. Well, you know, the Philippines is very hot, very humid. And my buddy and I, we went and we played golf at the, uh, at the base. It's, it's part of the base of Subic Point. And uh, we had these two caddies with us. And as we were walking on the fairways, we noticed these huts that were on and off the fairways, you know, off on the edge. And we didn't know what they were. And we're walking down a fairway with the guys behind us, the caddies behind us. And all of a sudden, the caddies just to those sheds and where are they going and the skies open up and it just ports you can't believe it it was so humid and this, this skies are blue but they knew it was going to rain so and I don't want to tell you the, the next part they, they didn't bother telling you to get no, to the huts they, they, like, they, they, laughed laughed us, exactly. they laughed at us all the way I bet the they way. did so what at what age did you enlist into the Navy uh, I actually joined in my uh, reserves in my uh, into my junior year in high school oh wow so you went straight in from high school Run straight in from high school. Wow. Yep. And then you did your basic, do they do uh, basic training? Yes, I did my basic training in Bainbridge, Maryland. Nice. So you went from basically 18 and to your, when did you reti- uh, like get out of the military? Uh, six years later. So what, 58, 62. Wow. And this is the Vietnam War that you served Viet- in? Vietnam era. Vietnam era. Um, era. Yeah, we, we did a, uh, we were assigned a special operations uh, right before everything broke out and we we just was on a it was a kind of like a secret operation thing but it, it's just probably everybody knows it now but we went and we, we we filmed all of southeast asia with our airplanes we we flew on these fa crusaders which are high reconnaissance planes mm-hmm. and uh they overflew all of southeast asia uh cambodia laos and vietnam and they filmed that entire countryside and i'm told that those films that they used were they used those in the initial Oh, wow. The initial battles and what they were doing in, in Vietnam and Laos and Cambodia. Sure. That but type of technology at that time had to be like cutting edge. These planes were unbelievable. I yeah. mean, they, they, they were these high-pressure suits, and uh, uh, they you couldn't touch them, and they couldn't shoot at them or anything, but uh, that's all we had on board. We did that for 90 days. Wow. So we were at sea for 90 days there in the South China Sea just flying these things. So you finished up your military career, and, and then you kind of transitioned into what was next? Well, you know, I was tired of being clean all the time. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I can you know, in the that. operating room and what have you. So I decided I want to get my hands dirty. And uh, a neighbor uh, had a job waiting for me when I got out, and uh, I became a Class B journeyman electrician. Wow, electrician! And, uh, yeah, yeah, those transformers you see on the poles. Mm-hmm. I would put those together and test them. Wow, they were, it was quite an interesting did, did, job. Did you yeah. ever have any bad experiences? Catch a little uh, shock no, there? No, not at all. Not at all. If you have a bad experience on those, you that might be your last one, right? Yeah. No, but uh, it's 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 very an interesting process. You know, they're full of oil. That's what that's what burns. Really? Those transformers are loaded with. I've oil. I've heard quite a few explode in my day. They those do. are scary. Yeah, they do. And that's when you see the fires. Uh, and I'm sure that's what happened in that one fire in uh, it was in San Francisco where that transformer blew up. 
Was it San Francisco? I have no idea. I don't the, watch the street fire recently. I can't remember what it was. It was the oil that was burning in those transformers. Oh, wow. So electrician, what what type of so you put up the transformers? Anything? No, I just we we made them. Made them. We oh, made wow. the transformers. We tested them and we shipped them out for Pacific Gas and Electric. That's awesome. How long yeah. did you do that? Uh, did it for about two years. Nice. So it, it seems like. From what I'm understanding from your life so far, you've done so many things, like oh. so many hats. Yeah. So after the electrician, what was next after that? Uh, sold insurance for sold for, in- for Prudential. Okay. Did you stay with that for a while? No. <laughs> Not at all. That's so I was, awesome. I was starving. <laughs> yeah. So you got into yeah. selling insurance and then? Then I got into finance and I stayed in finance for 40 years. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so you finally found yeah, something. Mortgage, mortgage banking, basically. Good, good, good. All right. So 40 years or something. That's a long years, time. Yeah. Well, it seems like you kind of like you got out of the military and kind of had to find what made you happier, like find your passion. So what, with finance, like what, what did you help people do? Well, I ran the, I ran the mortgage divisions for uh, two banks in, uh, in California, and then I ran the uh, mortgage processing department for GE for the entire West Coast. Oh, that's pretty important. Out of San Bernardino and Riverside. Did you like California? I love California. <laughs> so what brought you to Arizona? Uh, my wife passed away, mm-hmm. and uh, I just had to get out of there, and I met this young woman on uh, the Internet. Nice, dude, the <laughs> internet. On the Internet. Nice, yeah. dude. And we had some things in common. She was a dental technician, and, uh, of course, I was, I was a with former. Mary, we who's over here, if that was her. Both in the Navy, and uh, I decided to come to uh, Arizona. Down to Arizona and pay her a visit, and uh, one thing led to another, and we were married in 2001. That's amazing, dude. The and internet is so cool. Yeah. And we just celebrated our 19th wedding anniversary. 19th. Oh, did we play baseball? Or he hit a home oh, run. Oh, I forgot all about that. He hit a home run with Mary. That's what she's saying. When I retired from GE, mm-hmm. I went to work for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Oh, no big deal. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tell us about that. Well, I worked for them for 14 years. <laughs> And uh, I ran the uh, security control room at Chase Field. Wow. So you saw it, like, the, obviously be built, Chase Field. No, no, no. You weren't there? Oh, no. The first game was in 1998. In fact, March the 26th, 1998. And uh, I joined them the year after they... the year after they won the won the series. Oh wow! So, and stayed with them through uh, retired it's when I was seventy five. So I've been retired for them for five years, and I get a nice little pension for Major League Baseball. Nice. So, what, what exactly did you do with the Diamondbacks? Tell us about I that. I ran more. the security control room. Oh, you ran all, a tight all shift. the cameras. I was in charge of that room. All the cameras, all the shifts reported to me. Oh wow! So, what kind of stuff would you catch people doing on camera? I can't tell you, but there was some, <laughs> there was some very nice stuff going on. You just know <laughs> that there was there's being cam- there's cameras at the. Uh, Field guys, it's just those, know that those uh, cheap seats are way up there, but the cameras go <laughs> up there. That's where they. That's where that's, the action took that's place. Where it that's awesome. I remember when I got. Ne- never mind. Wait, never what? Mind. <laughs> I know the Diamondbacks are bad, but dang, that's not that no, bad. It, Watch it, the game, people. Yeah, it happens in every stadium. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love like so when I moved out to the West Coast, like I came to Chase Field and I absolutely loved it. It's one of like the retractable dome, like that's really cool. I love baseball, so Chase Field was. One of my favorite is my favorite thing about Arizona so far. That was the that I opened and closed that a couple of two or three times. Nice, you got it, to hit the button. Oh yeah, I did. I had to do it, dude. Uh, that's the coolest if you're thing the, ever. If you're on the shift and uh, like say the off season and the engineers aren't there, you know, dude. And, that's the coolest uh, thing. Ever. You know, and it starts to rain or bad weather's coming in. You're, it's up to you in charge. Who's in charge of that security control room? Close that. Close those doors. That's awesome. And that bad weather comes fast here in Arizona. Yeah, so we gotta be quick. Yeah, we watch the weather all the time there. I was lucky enough, maybe about maybe last year when I first got to Arizona, I won a raffle and I was able to get tickets for the pool 
at Chase Field. So I've actually seen a game from the center field pool in Chase Field. So that was really, really cool. And I noticed, like, the staff there, it seemed they work so quickly. Like, they're almost to perfection. Like, the grounds crew, the security people, even, like, people that run the concession. Like, it's a tight-run ship over there. Very much so. Yeah, they seem like good people, though. They are. They're very yeah. good. Do you ever uh, go back now? Ever catch a game? Oh uh, no, very rarely. I no. just don't want to go downtown. <laughs> True, uh, traffic is horrible. <laughs> down there, you know. Who's uh, one of your favorite uh, a- athletes to have met and to get to know? Is there anybody who stands out for you? Matt Williams, great guy. Well, would you say that the athletes like really respect, respectful towards the staff that work for the? Some are, some aren't. Mm, that seems what I get a lot of too. <laughs> a lot of people that I know that work with athletes are like, man, some of them are great humans, and then some of them are. It's kind of yeah. sad to hear. Sometimes Kurt Schilling was a great guy. Oh, so yeah. I'm a huge Red Sox fan. So Kurt yeah. Schilling's and like yeah. Red Sox he, Hall a, of Fame. He was a real great guy. That's good. But Matt Williams was one of my favorites. Nice. You, are you a big uh, Arizona Cardinals fan, or are you just baseball? I'm a Oakland Raider fan. Oh wow! Okay. Did you? How do you feel about the move? Didn't they move from they're, Oakland? No, they're going they're next year. They're Vegas, they'll, right? Next year they'll be yeah. in Vegas. And my, my son and I are going to go to the opening game. Oh, you better. Yeah. That's cool. I think. Yeah. Do you think Vegas would be a better market for them? Uh, it's got to be better than Oakland. Exactly. Well, yeah. you ha- that's what happens if you don't support your team. They move the city. Yeah. Like you got yeah. to. No, but they sell out all the time in Oakland. Really? You know? But the you know it, it's just a, it's a bad area, bad location. Mm. Don't they share the field with the Oakland A's though? Like the Raiders no. and the well, yeah, no, no. So they, do they? Yes, sh- they do. Yeah, yes, they, they share do. the field with the A's. Yes, they do. And, and you know, Vegas will welcome them big time. Oh, I mean, yeah. that, that's yeah. going to be a great place to move. Yeah. Although you know, Vegas has grown. Yeah, very, very yeah, much. The so. suburbs there, like mm. in Henderson and, and surrounding areas, there's a huge population there. Yeah, I've only been to Vegas one time, and it was way too long. It was like 36 hours. I had to get out of there. Doesn't the owner make you a little nervous though? He's just a little bit out there to me. Not as much as his dad was. Oh, really? Oh. So he's a step down. Mark Davis? Mark. Oh, my goodness. Who was the who, – who Al was Davis. Al Davis. Yeah, Al win, Davis baby, win, a, baby. That's Al all Davis was. was a pistol. Yes. <laughs> Al Davis was the man. I remember him as a kid being like, he's kind of aggressive. Well, Oakland <laughs> just sold off all their great players last year. Well, they brought in Gruden, though. I love yeah. John Gruden. Well, he came back. Yeah, and, yeah. He didn't do too well last year. I think you give him time. He got rid of a lot of folks. Yeah, they got at the team on him. Yeah. Who's going to start for quarterback this year? I have no idea. <laughs> we'll see you game one. Yeah, well, no welcome to Cardinals life, right? <laughs> yeah. So what I understand, you got into track and field as well. So you were a track and field official at one point as well. How's, tell us about that. That's really well, cool. I've been involved in track and field for oh, pretty close to 35, 40 years. So you, you, were, you officiate these meets of some sort. How does that work? I'm not a big track and field guy. Well, uh, track and field is it's it's complicated. There's a lot of uh, a lot of different events that you have to know. Mm. Uh, I head a lot of the meets myself. I put them together. Nice and uh, get the officials for the meets. Uh, I'm the meet director for all of uh, NAU's meets up in Flagstaff. There oh, nice. Is. And there's a big uh, Paralympic meet in Mesa every year. It's a World Paralympic Championships that I uh, I head that also. It's run by the International Paralympic Committee out of uh, Berlin, actually. They control the entire uh, Paralympic program throughout the nation. Wow. Uh, throughout the world, actually. And uh, we host a big meet here every year at Mesa, and it's called uh, the uh, Desert Challenge Games, but it's, it's under the sponsorship of the World Paralympic Association. And I'm responsible for uh, heading all, all of the officials for that meet, getting them together and getting them to work. But working with the athletes themselves is just amazing. Uh, this group is uh, age group uh, uh, 14 on up. And uh, there's, you, you just have to go to see one uh, a Paralympic meet to understand what these, how 
how they aren't disabled. Yeah. You think they're disabled. They don't think they're disabled. Not at know? all. They think they're, they, they can perform and compete with the person with the, the best body. Uh, we were talking about uh, high jumpers. We've got uh, a blind high jumper, several blind high jumpers that are uh, Olympic class uh, athletes. Wow. And how they do it is they, the guide will set them up in the middle of the runway know what the long jump mm-hmm. is and then he'll back down and he'll make sure he's centered and he'll say center and he'll tell him to move right or left and then he'll start clapping his hands and he hears he hears the clapping and then he tells him to go and we, he, he, just before he gets to where he's clapping he's running toward that sound the coach or the guide will step off the runway and then he jumps wow that's it's amazing. amazing it's absolutely something to see so is it is it just people that are are blind or what type of what type of people there's are th- at this games? There's three levels of well no they're all different disabilities. Oh really? Yeah, but there's three levels of blindness. There's a uh, there's an 11, 12, and a thirteen. Eleven is totally blind and they they can't see whatsoever and they have to wear a a mask over their eyes to make sure no light gets in at all. Okay, a twelve is partially sighted and mm-hmm. they can have a mask on or not have a mask on and they can have a guide. A thirteen is is just uh, somewhat disabled in the blind, uh, but they don't have a they don't have a uh, a coach or a, a, a tracker where that will mm-hmm. help them. They have to do it on their own. So, but in Paralympics, that's also would be people without limbs. Like it wouldn't be Special Olympics, like special oh, needs. No, that's no. that's a different. That's thing. different. Totally okay. different. Totally but, different. But These, like one limb, that kind of thing limb, is all part of it. One, one arm, one leg, or it could just be deformed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, and we've got a, uh, a uh, quite a bit of. Uh, uh, wounded warrior athletes now participating yeah, in this meet. Awesome. We had uh, 25 last year. That's cool. And uh, they practice out at Luke Air Force Base, and and we host them down there. And they're amazing athletes, you know. And uh, it, we, wheelchair races. It's a just I, it's amazing to watch them. Yeah, I would be just need a bucket to walk around with because I'd just be filling that bucket with tears the entire no, time. They would. You won't. You'd be cheering them. You yeah, know, exactly. You know, yeah, you see very little of that. But and, it's like, uh, how can you walk away from that not inspired yeah, and like yeah. not like? And you get mad because all your functioning limbs, you can't quite do what you want to yeah. do. Mm-hmm. You know, that's. That's that's amazing, Mike. I'm really. I'm we really had uh, 356 athletes from 17 nations at that meet in, in May. So. In, in May, yeah. Wow, that's really cool, man. And how long you've been involved with that event? Uh, ten years. That is cool. So, what um, of your of the events of a track meet? What's your favorite? Like, what do you what do you love watching the most? Starter, S- starter, track right? starter. Okay, so. Yeah. Fire the pistol. Oh, you fired yeah. the, you're that guy. Yeah, yeah I'm oh, that guy. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's the best part. Yeah, I'm that guy in the red coat. <laughs> nice. So, like, what event interests you the most? What event? Yeah, what event do you like watching the most? Uh, the throws. Nice. Whether any any of the throws, shot put, discus, javelin, yeah. hammer. Uh, I, I love the uh, I love the athletes. The throws athletes are just they're, they're uh, in a world all their own. They yeah. The, what big. what they do with their body and yeah. like the technique of that is so wild to me. Right. And their their camaraderie is is excellent. You know, even though they're opposing each other, they they all know each other. They travel from place mm. to place, and uh, it's it's just a good group of people to work with. Yeah. So I love working with the throwers. I've always been really um, like amazed by the high jumpers, like what they do with their body. I mean, with that like the stick and they go over the pole top. vault. Oh, oh, pole oh, vault. Oh, shoot, yeah, yeah. whoops! High there's, jump, top pole vault, whatever. So there's a high jump too, which is also in, interesting. Yeah. Like all the jumping, I'm just always like amazed with. Yeah. I'm always like every four years I'm the biggest track and field fan. Like when it comes in the Olympics, I'm like, yeah, I love track and field. And then don't watch it until the next Olympics. Right. Yeah. Well, this is the Olympia year coming up. Oh yeah. The Olympiad is the 20th. The 20th. 20, now 2020. Is it going to be in Tokyo? Tokyo. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to go? No. No? No. <laughs> well, you could be like for old times. Though, no. No. Uh, no. That'd yeah. be a hell of a plane ride. That would be. 
uh, where does USA rank in like track and field? Are we are we at the top? Are we at the bottom? I think we're uh, we're pretty much toward the uh, the top tier uh, in gold medals. Where I think we we lead in every Olympiad. Mm. Um, right behind us would be uh, Germany and then Russia. Jamaica's got a good team, though. Yeah, Everything. they have a great bobsled team. Yeah, <laughs> yes. they got fast guys. Yes. Well, yeah. I'm, well, Usain Bolt, like watching him, like I, that's kind of the track athlete that I think of in my generation, at least, is like Usain Bolt and watching him break all those records. Right. Do you remember, like, as you were coming like through your life, like what huge Olympic moments do you remember, like Olympics? Uh, believe it or not, Bruce Jenner. Bruce Jenner. Wow. He was a he was a stud, dude. He was a he was decathlete. Decathlete. Yeah. yeah. Is and that still a thing? Is that an event? Oh yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. He trained at uh, he trained at Mount Sac Mount San Antonio College in Walnut, California, and so I saw quite a bit of him. Was an animal. And, and Richardson, huh? He was an animal. He was. He was. He, he won. Was Didn't great, he have the gold medal? Great athlete. Yes. Nice. Yes. I think that. Um, <laughs> well, that's just Bruce Jenner is just a funny topic to <laughs> to land on. It is now. <laughs> <laughs> He's come. He's come away. He's come away. I don't even know what to say on that note. We <laughs> just move on to the next <laughs> yeah. subject. Yeah. So, Mike, we like to end these with like inspirational quotes or like words of wisdom or like any type of guidance you can give to anyone that listens to this episode. What would you say? Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. It's it really put you on a spot. But, uh, <laughs> Anything. It your, it's your. I think your family is 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 the most important thing. Mm-hmm. It's your most important asset, and uh, you want to keep your family close. You want to keep them together. Uh, I see a lot of conflict in in families. Uh, there's conflict in our family, and and it's it's sad to see because those days are wasted and gone by, and you know you can't reclaim them. Wow! So keep your family together, keep your family close, love your children, love your grandchildren more, and <laughs> love your great grandchildren more. I've got I've got eight great grandchildren, and I've got three. I got eight grandchildren and three great grandchildren. Wow! And wow. you love them each more. Love them. Um, that's awesome man. that was perfect that was a home run as a statement that was like one of the best we've had that's, that's like, not that what home. I was expecting and it just like sunk my battleship I was like I gotta call my mom <laughs> <laughs> you gotta call your mom after every episode yeah, what are you man, talking about I almost like started crying there for a second but Mike it's been great having you on the Forging Fury podcast you've got tons of knowledge tons of knowledge bombs within this episode I'm really excited to have you on and thank you again thank you we appreciate it yes sir well, I woke up still not dead again today the internet said I had passed away well, If I died, I wasn't dead to stay And I woke up still not dead again today Well, I woke up still not dead again today The gardener